You're listening to Tony Mark with The Art of Wellness on PeachRadio.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Art of Wellness on PeachRadio.com. I'm Tony Mark, and today in studio we have Savant Palvetian. Savant is, um, is a CEO of Civic Action Group. For over a decade, Civic Action has tackled challenges facing the greater Toronto and Hamilton area. And this year, as one of their major campaigns, they're targeting mental health in the workplace. Welcome, Savant. Well, and thanks so much for having me in your studio this afternoon, Tony. It's exciting to be here. Civic Action. Savant, can you explain what that is? Civic Action was created 13 years ago, and we are a city-building organization. We're a nonprofit, and we sit at the nexus of where all the sectors converge and think about the big urban issues that shape and affect the greater Toronto and Hamilton area, but more importantly, do something about it. And so every four years, we have a summit. We bring together the rising leaders from business, from government, labor, academia, the community serving sector. And we put our finger on the pulse on those big urban issues that are affecting our region and then create campaigns or initiatives that do something to improve those urban conditions in those intervening four years. How widespread is mental health? Um, issues in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Well, one of those issues last uh, last April, in fact, 2015, was our latest summit. And we had close to a thousand leaders that came together. And we talked about four or five big urban issues that we knew needed focus. One of the biggest where focus and attention rose to the top was on this topic, mental health in the workplace. And interestingly, Tony, in the 13 years that Civic Action has been around, this is the first time we've touched a health topic. We spend most of our waking hours, whether we love it or not, in the workplace. And that is in some ways the least prepared frontier for dealing with some of the mental health challenges that, that we may walk in the doors with. And Savant, are there some groups that are more affected um, by, by this issue than, than others? Mental health hits us all. We know that because we are a, uh, a big urban region, that there are certain things that will amp up Um, some of the triggers that could negatively impact mental health. Income inequality, we know that that's on the rise. We know that there are huge groups of people who are are not being brought along with the economic opportunities of this region uh, the way some others benefit from. Job insecurity that goes along with that. Uh, Racial discrimination. Family care demands. Being able to afford childcare. We have the highest childcare rates in the country here in in Toronto. Uh, And housing affordability. And and housing... uh, the, the lack of places where fe- people can even find rental space, let alone buy into the market. When you take all of these issues, Tony, what you do is you put into focus some of the additional uh, factors that impact our mental health. Those in and of themselves do not create poor mental health or mental illness, but they certainly are layers that get added on uh, that create additional barriers for, for people here. And I, I always read the, the stats on, on happy, um, uh, how happy is your city or happy mm-hmm. is your country. And mental health plays such a huge part of that when, the, when, when the, the numbers come in. Well, so. and it's, you're right. Some of these studies, if we look back 15, 20 years, we didn't capture mental health, right? That was not considered, A, something that you would publicly talk about, or B, something that you'd start to measure. What are the economic impact of um, poor mental health? Mm-hmm. Well, 
certainly in terms of the, the bottom line cost, we realized that through that work, the cost of uh, in the next decade would be about $17 billion for, for here in the region, the greater Toronto and Hamilton area. And that's largely due to, to uh, loss of productivity. So that's someone calling in sick. That's someone not able to, uh, to come back to work. They're on short-term leave or frankly, long-term leave. That's someone who's not bringing their best to the workplace because they are just not able to focus on what uh, the work demands are because of the other issues that are affecting their life. So all of this collectively creates that economic bottom line, but it's the social bottom line that's equally important to not lose sight of. You know, we we are uh, we are mothers, we are sisters, we are brothers, we are family members, we're colleagues also, we are co-workers to many. And when you think about how many waking hours you spend with your co-workers, you have an opportunity to notice in their life, what may be happening. And you may be one of the people that's able to offer suggestions on how to find support or open that dialogue to be able to normalize a conversation that that could be taking place in that person's personal life, but not necessarily in the work environment. And so the opportunity through civic actions work to bring together a cross-section of players was something we're very excited to do. So we have a champions council of about 30 leaders. So many, these 30 people representing such different parts of life. The unifying entity is that each of them has a, a passion for doing more for mental health in the workplace. And so our work gets shaped by these champions. We as civic action staff support that process behind the scenes and bring together, alchemize, if you will, some of the best players and brains we can find. But ultimately the solutions for action come out of that champions council group. And any impact that we get to see have happen over the next three years that we'll be working in this topic is a full tribute to the collective energies of that group. Let me ask you a, a question that's always, you know, it's, a, it's very personal to me because I, w when it comes to government, you know, they, it, it seemed like the, the, the term or the, the goal, it's usually short-term thinking. But mental health is not uh, something that can be solved in, in such a short time. So do you have a three to five and then you have, you're looking down the line to see what can be done and how differently it can be shaped? Our work at Civic Action is very much built on a four-year model. It forces us to get really honed on actions that we can take and we can galvanize. At the end of four years, often the work that we've touched gets embedded into another set of efforts, into a different kind of, uh, in this case, if organizations and companies are doing more for mental health, that shouldn't end at the end of three years. Our intent is to catalyze actions that weren't taking place before. But we don't stay in any one game forever. It forces us to be relevant. And, and, and that model then of having a summit every four years is where we, ah, in effect, okay. reload our dance yeah. card. And the continuity um, keeps... Keeps there. Yeah. So the part of the reason we have a Champions Council, though, is as each of these people is shaping our work collectively, they are also serving as ambassadors within their own companies and organizations and within their peer and competitor organizations to be able to say, this is what we've done. And, and we try to bring others along for that journey. So as it relates to government, I certainly know, uh, and I spent a, about a decade actually as a senior executive in the provincial government, and I saw firsthand the challenge of trying to weigh the long-term priorities against the short-term deliverables uh, uh, that, that taxpayers expect. And it, this is not an easy issue. Frankly, most of the issues that government touches aren't. Uh, what I love about the work of civic action, what brought me to civic action, was this is not a government entity. 
we're a neutral sandbox. We're a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that gets to work collectively with government, but also equally with business and labor and academia and the social serving sectors to be able to advance actions that don't need to have a sectoral home but do need to see multi-sector action. And uh, and government has been at the table with us on this work, and I'm delighted by that. Um, and they certainly have a role to play not only as regulators in the health space, but as an employer. 64,000 people work for the Ontario government. Making sure that's an employer of first choice for mental health and well-being is an equally important goal. I think you just hit it on the head. It's a, a combination of government and private pa- uh, practice, but also a nonprofit. And uh, that's when things get done. Well, we're going to take a short break and we'll come right back with Savant. Um, this is, is piquing my interest because based on what you just said, I want to know where you're going next. So we'll be right back on the Art of Wellness on PeachRadio.com. You're listening to Peach Radio, streaming from the Peach Gallery in Toronto. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Art of Wellness on PeachRadio.com. In studio, we have Svan Paldetsian. How do you uh, make an office a a mental health support, um, supportive uh, workplace? We have uh, here in Canada national standards on psychological health and safety in the workplace. One of the first countries to actually create standards. And, uh, and so there is a process where organizations can choose to go through a multi-module kind of stepped way to uh, to take their workforce through being accredited as really strong leaders in this field. But there are also smaller ways that are less um, less concrete in, in terms of standardization that can certainly have big impact. One is about encouraging executives to talk openly about mental health. We know that culture doesn't shift if it only happens from the bottom. It has to come from the top down. And where organizations have legitimately and authentically turn the channel on mental health, where, where colleagues and co-workers feel they can share more openly. It is where, uh, not surprisingly, in many cases, a senior executive has, has, has and continues to speak openly about that. Training. Are managers equipped to handle some of the needs of their employees that are mental health uh, and mental illness related? In many cases, no. But we know in, in, uh, there's, a, there's a great statistic that in managers who have training have seen a 20% drop in short-term disability claims related to mental health. So there's a huge correlation between you know, the training and the impact that that would have. Um, and of course, the employee and family assistance program. So about 60% of working Ontarians have access to one of these EFAPs. Many don't know that. <laughs> and the services that are available within the EFAP are not only available to you, but also to your family. Now, you just mentioned EFAP. I want the, the audience to know what that is, just so there is yes. any, So explain what that is to our- So uh, EFAP is an Employee and Family Assistance Program, and often it's a toll-free number that was part of your employee benefits package that comes in your health package. So when you fill out all those forms to say, this is where I send my dental receipts or I can get my drug plan covered, in there is often information about the EFAP or the EAP, as it's called in some organizations. And so it's worth looking at that. It's worth understanding what, what kind of service 
services are available in there. Sometimes marriage counseling is a service that's available in there. If you need to have time with a psychologist and regular visits, that's often a component in some of these programs. As with any benefits plan, Tony, there are different variations, yes. but it is a service that the vast majority of Ontarians who are employed have some access to. And uh, and it's at least a starting point, frankly. If someone in your world is challenged, is suffering, and needs some supports for it, it's a good place to start. People just don't, they don't read uh, mm. everything that's in their package. You know, I would love for people to open and read and see what they're qualified for, what they can do, because there's help out there. And, and in Ontario in particular, there's so many supportive um, parts of the, the um, in the workplace mm -hmm. and um, that they can, they can use. Well, and uh, that's in fact the work that we we're doing with Civic Action and our Champions Council is just that. We are creating new uh, strategies, new campaigns that aren't already there. In fact, the market, if you will, is flooded with resources, which makes it very hard for employers to understand even where to start. The first step is, how are we doing? Are we in good shape uh, as a company, as an organization, or what are our areas, our gaps that we need to fill? Two, what actions should I take based on where I am in this journey? What are the actions I should take? And the third step is evaluating. Did the actions that we take have any impact in the gaps that we were trying to fill? And then rinse and repeat. And you go through the next chapter and the next chapter and the next chapter. As with many priorities, you're never done. The complexities of the workplace don't stop. And the needs of your employees uh, continue to evolve. But good companies appreciate that the well-being of their teams, of their staff, of their employees means meeting the mental health needs, not just the physical needs. And we've done a really good job in many parts of, of corporate Canada and, and of the, the region as a whole in thinking about the physical needs of our workplace. Not done, but in many cases we have. But we haven't really turned our attention to the mental health and psychological well-being needs in the same way. That's what this piece of work is for us. It's to bring a new horizon of awareness to people that need to have it on their dashboard and to make it easy to dive in and do something meaningfully for, for our people. On both the, from the employee um, uh, standpoint and the employer. That's right. So you're working with both sides you to make it. sure that this works. That's right. Because in many cases, Tony, we will have very progressive employers that see the value of this, understand the business case to doing this and, and want to do more. In some cases, that won't be the case. And our ability to still connect directly to coworkers to say these are some things that you can do to improve uh, your immediate work environment is is still an important step that we that we want to take. If someone thinks that they're having a hard time um, in their workplace, because in, one thing I've read about is, you know, writing excuse notes, you know, and, and, and um, making a ton of excuse why they can't go into work or why they have to leave. Is there something that you can say to people how to go about um, getting support uh, from an employer? Is there something in particular mm -hmm. or how to go about doing it? Well, that's where the, the benefit to of the EFAP, the Employee Family Assistance Program, because it's it's very confidential, right? So if some people are concerned. We've heard this and, and that stigma does still exist. You know, 70% of people in a recent, recent national survey said that workplace stigma is a concern for them. And what they mean by that, Tony, is what will my coworkers say? if they learn I'm struggling. Now, I find this number staggeringly high because one in two people in the labor force has experienced a mental health issue, and yet workplace stigma is at 70%. So uh, the benefit of the EFAP or some of the other resources that are available um, through provincial governments, municipal governments, is they're confidential. 
And so if you are taking some of those first and early steps in getting an understanding of the supports that may be available to you, certainly calling uh, those toll-free numbers allows it to be done in a, in a confidential manner. But the uh, the ability where, where an employee feels comfortable to be able to speak with manager, and we have heard dozens and dozens of stories of an employee that took that first step and reached out and the support of the manager was there, uh, and, and they got the, the support they needed not only in the time that they were in the workplace, but in some cases... They needed to take a leave. And and listening to some of the stories of people who stayed in touch with their colleagues and the colleagues stayed in touch with them when they were on the leave and then returned to work with the kind of transition support that they needed uh, makes all the difference in the world. And so there is not one formula to meeting all of the mental health and psychological well-being needs of all six and a half million residents of this region. There are a series, though, of supports that are there and often need to start with a, a conversation to break down some of the stigma so that the supports that exist are actually used. What do you do to take care of your your both your mental and your physical health? Uh, well, can't you tell, Tony? Yeah. Oh, come on. Yes, uh, you are in great shape. <laughs> <laughs> You're coming in. <laughs> um, what do I do? So, so I do. No, I do. I, I'm not in nearly as great shape as you are, but I do believe in physical activity. So I work out, and whether that's a jog in the morning as the sun is rising or whether that's hitting the gym when the winter months are here, I do, I do get to the gym and work out uh, regularly. I, um, I have a great group of wonderful people in my life, both in my workplace as colleagues and friends and in my family and broader friends and network support outside of the workplace. And so surrounding myself with good people, I think also helps my mental, my mental well-being and, and allows me to realize that even if things are tough, there's a great support network that's available out there to support. Uh, and, um, and I think also just, uh, uh, just being able to strive for those balanced pieces, you know, it, it, uh, I do have a young family and I have a big job. And so being able to work on different parts of life so that the life side and the work piece still get equal measure, but that, um, that no one else gets burned out in the meantime is an, I think an important piece as well. You're a very positive person <laughs> and, um, and what you bring to the table and how you're getting it across, uh, that's very evident. So Thanks, I want to thank you so thank much for you. coming in the studio. It, um, you've made a, a topic that uh, I didn't know much about, very entertaining and, um, and educational. So thank you, Saban, for thank coming you, in Tony, today. Anytime. It's been my pleasure. Oh, you're quite welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Art of Wellness on PeachRadio.com. <laughs>